News, weather, traffic, money, politics, big interviews, and bold opinions. It's what's happening right now. This is Mornings with Simi. Well, things are heating up in the federal election campaign with back-to-back debates starting tonight in French, tomorrow in English. What can we expect? Our chief political correspondent, David Aiken, joins us now. Good morning, David. Good morning, Simi. Yeah, exciting week. If you're a political geek, this is it. Do debates. That's it. I know. It's time for people to start making up their minds. What can we expect tonight? What's the format going to be like? Uh, it's, it's going to be, a, you know, moderator asking the, the, the party leaders some questions. Moderators get to pick the topics, etc. We will see some one-on-one, some back and forth. I think the, uh, the really interesting thing as we set up for the debate is we've got some new polling numbers out this morning from our polling partner, Ipsos. The national number is interesting. Conservatives ahead, 35% to 32% for the Liberals, 21% for the NDPs, 35, 32, 21. But I'll give you the Quebec-only numbers. Because for the first time in any poll this campaign, for the first time, Ipsos has found someone other than the Liberals in first place in Quebec, and that's the Bloc Québécois. And this is a problem for the Liberals. I'll get into that. In Quebec right now, it is a statistical tie. Somebody's got to be on top, and it's the Bloc, with 34% of decided and leaning voters there, 33% for the Liberals. The Conservatives polling at 21%, which in Quebec is very good for the Conservatives, and the NDP way back at 8%. So as I said, it's the first time I've seen a poll where the BQ is ahead of the Liberals. Now, the Bloc and the Liberal support is just about where it was in the 2019 election. And this is a bigger problem for the Liberals. Why is that? Because the Liberals lost the majority that they had, largely because uh, in, of Quebec, the Bloc Québécois, all of a sudden, new strength showed up and took a lot of liberal seats. And if Justin Trudeau really did call this election to get his majority back, which I think a lot of people think he did, well, he has to win those seats back from the bloc. And right now, he's tied or trailing in Quebec. And that means with less than two weeks to go, you know, the pressure's really on Trudeau to somehow right. knock the bloc off, uh, knock bloc leader Yves-Francois Blanchet off his feet. And we've had one French language debate already, and Blanchet is very good on his feet. He's a very good debater. Uh, so is Trudeau. Trudeau will be good on his feet too. But that, as I say, I, I really think that the, the, the tough, uh, the toughest role here is for Trudeau if he wants a majority right. and let alone government. So did the French language debate from last week change anything for the conservatives, for the NDP? Well, you know what? Uh, the pundits, um, possibly myself included, we all thought that if you had to pick a winner in the French debate, it was it was Blanchet and Trudeau. And, you know, Singh and O'Toole, it's their second language. They had a little more trouble. But according to not only Ipsos, but some other polls I've seen, it looks like the conservative support uh, improved after last night's debate. These po- this, this poll I'm talking about with Ipsos, the polling was done Friday to Monday over the weekend. And the debate was last Thursday. So the Conservatives are now, as I said, at 21% in Quebec. They only got 16% in the 2019 election, and that 16% was good enough for 10 seats. Um, and now they got 21%. They might have been thinking of a couple more. If really the goal for the Conservatives, it, O'Toole, in both these French language debates is just don't screw up. I mean, really, the, the Conservatives, if they're going to win government, it's going to be in BC, it's going to be in Ontario, it's going to be in the rest of Canada. So they just have to hold what they have in, in Quebec. But now it looks like they, maybe they'll pick stuff up. One of the bizarro things, though, is, you know, so we've been talking about gun control for the last, right. what, four or five days? Yeah. Why is that? Because it was in the French language debate last week that O'Toole flip-flopped. That's where he first changed his view versus the platform. And since then, 
the platforms had to be changed to match O'Toole's view. And he's been hammered on that for, for flipping things around. And O'Toole likely did that in the French language debate because Quebecers are especially keen for tighter gun control laws. They want more gun control. That's different than people in many other parts of the country. Quebecers right. want more gun control. And so O'Toole will almost certainly get hit with that flip-flop uh, in the debate tonight. That's what I was wondering. So is that one of those things where he was clearly playing to the audience in Quebec for that, but the flip-flop is going to have much more of an impact in other provinces? Yeah, so it, it's the issue in Quebec, like the actual issue, gun control. That is the that is what Quebecers seem to be concerned about. There were some mayors yesterday had a press conference asking O'Toole to clarify and asking all leaders for a handgun ban. That's mayors in Quebec. I think in the English language debate, it's not so much the issue it is the flip-flop, and we're already seeing this from Justin Trudeau. He's been attacking O'Toole in his stump speeches, saying, this guy will say anything to win. And, uh, in fact, there's, there's liberals will be trotting out that line today, that this guy will, right. you know, during the conservative leadership campaign, he, he said, oh, I'm true blue, hard right, right wing. And then, as the conservative leader, he's presented a much more moderate uh, uh, position and seems to be working. Well, I yeah. think that's why he's at 35% in the polls, because... The moderate center position is the that's the sweet spot for Canadian politics. But to win the conservative race, you got to appeal to that you know red meat eating right wing crowd. And so this is what the liberals are going to chew at: is uh, O'Toole saying one thing, uh, saying another thing, just to get elected. Oh, I'm looking forward to tonight, David. Thank you. Okay, thanks, Simi. Cheers. It's David Aiken, Global News Chief Political Correspondent. Uh, yeah, we got the French language debate tonight. And by the way, what's different about this French language debate versus the one that was last week is that last week it was really difficult for anybody to find a translation of it because it was a private French network uh, in Quebec that did that. But this one, there will be English translation available. It will be much more widely accessible. So if you're interested, you can check out that one. And tomorrow night is the English language debate. Oh, there'll be lots for us to talk about. This is Mornings with Simi. An update for you on the vaccine card situation. So as I figured, 7 o'clock was going to be the starting time. It is. It does say, though, if you're trying to get your BC vaccine card right now, that they are experiencing a high level of traffic, but you do get put into the virtual queue and they thank you for waiting. But essentially, it is back up and running. The wait time right now is uh, about an hour. Uh, So... That's the bad news. Good news is it's back up and going. If you are in the process of getting it, just get in the virtual queue and hang out there and uh, you'll get your BC vaccine card. So we know that we need to get this in about, you know, by next Monday or so, you'll have a little bit of leeway in terms of, you know, what you need to do. If you want to go somewhere where there's going to be alcohol served, restaurant, pub, something like that. If you want to go to an indoor sporting event, if you want to go to an indoor event that has more than 50 people. So there's a number of reasons why you need to get this. What does it mean for businesses? How are they getting ready to implement all of this? At the other end, checking you to make sure you have it when you go into one of these establishments. Well, joining us now is Anita Haberman, the CEO of the Surrey Board of Trade. Good morning, Anita. Good morning. What are you hearing from businesses? Are they getting ready to do this next week? They're getting ready. I mean, certainly there's a level of uh, reluctance, a level of concern about how all of this is going to roll out, how it's going to impact their frontline workers of those businesses that need to check a vaccine passport uh, QR code uh, or alternative backup system, uh, which uh, Bonnie Henry announced. Uh, There's a leeway until September 27th to check your paper 
identification for uh, vaccination. But I think uh, businesses heard from Bonnie Henry that uh, the process is simple. Um, Certainly there's going to be some glitches. We all know that. And um, all we want is for it to be consistent, especially when the October 24th double dose vaccination is required. So, uh, and there's a lot of uh, education uh, that needs to happen between industry associations, their members, and, uh, and that needs to happen uh, starting today. Okay, so is there enough information at this point, Anita, do you think, for businesses to get accustomed to this? Well, there's step-by-step instructions for businesses. Uh, it's also on our website at businessinsurrey.com. Uh, in terms of what to check uh, for proof of vaccination, how to verify uh, BC proof of vaccination, how to verify out-of-province proof of vaccination. Because remember, yesterday, uh, the Canadian government is now allowing all uh, foreign travellers that are double vaccinated, that meet the criteria for Health Canada standards to enter the country, they can now enter the country. Um, and businesses need to download a BC vaccine card verifier app. And uh, there's opportunities to talk to people at government to get support. And, uh, and though, uh, you know, it uh, was problematic uh, in the beginning and, and may remain to do so, uh, the enforcement measure for businesses uh, remains a concern as well. But we all need to figure this out together. And uh, if there are any complaints, we need to talk to our government officials and not attack our businesses that have been through so much during this pandemic. Uh, yeah, I'm curious about that enforcement issue because there's been a lot of discussion about that. But I mean, this mainly affects places that serve liquor, and, you know, alcohol. And, and they would be, I would think that those establishments, they have procedure for dealing with unruly customers. I mean, if you're a place that serves alcohol, it's not like you haven't seen problems before. That's true, and uh, that's the same for restaurants, for example. Uh, but if, uh, you know, this is a, a very new uh, procedure uh, for businesses, and we're in, in the middle of a crisis which requires uh, not normal decisions, and this vaccine passport is a way to curb the bend related to the virus. So there should have been more discussion with the public safety officials, bylaw, RCMP officers, uh, municipal police uh, before implementation. But we're in this now. Uh, we have to start this on September 13th in order to bend the curve related to this pandemic. We all want this to o- to be over. And this is short term. It's going to be reassessed in January. And it may be extended. It depends on the nature of the virus, the nature of variants. But we cannot afford to shut down the economy, Simi. And uh, and this is one uh, way to ensure that that doesn't happen again. Yeah. Is that why do you think businesses, for the most part, like business organizations, I should say in particular, have been supportive of this? Is there an understanding that, listen, if we don't want to shut down, this is what we have to do? Yes. And that's why we wrote a letter uh, to the Prime Minister, the Canadian Health Minister, and of course, Premier Horgan and uh, uh, Minister Dix to say we needed implementation for proof of vaccination. Unfortunately, we wanted uh, a Canada-wide approach 
not the piecemeal approach that we're seeing across the country. Uh, that causes confusion. We have workers that are traveling across the country. Uh, Surrey has the most number of manufacturers in British Columbia. We do business all across Canada. And now there's this piecemeal approach, approach for proof of vaccination. And uh, we'll have to wait now until the federal election is over for any type of decision or implementation on a Canada-wide approach. What do you say, though, Anita, to those businesses who don't like it? You know, there's been obviously a lot of talk about some businesses who say, I will not comply with this. Well, if you don't like it, the only other alternative uh, for you is to eliminate proof of vaccination and to shut the economy down. That's the only other solution to really get through this pandemic. Uh, you know, we are dealing with variants. Uh, we want to ensure that more people get vaccinated. That's another element of why we need a proof of vaccination to get more people vaccinated. Uh, but the only other alternative is to go back to shutting down the economy. And from our perspective, and it's the same with the Canadian Chamber of Commerce, our national head office in Ottawa, um, that, that is simply not viable for businesses anymore to shut down the economy or to shut down sectors of the economy. Will there be anything that your organization will be doing then to work with those businesses that are concerned about this? Yes, I mean, absolutely. The only piece that we're going to be engaging in is an educational campaign related to this proof of vaccination implementation, uh, the importance of vaccination. Uh, we received some questions yesterday from different hospitality sector members that said, you know, which parts of my amenities that I offer to my guests are affected? Who, who needs to check proof of vaccination? So we have someone within the BC government that we talk to, that we, where we get the answer, and then we communicate it back to ensure that those gaps of information, and there will be gaps. This is brand new for all of us. But we're in this together to get the answers from BC government to help our business community. Okay, so it sounds like there's still some work to do, though, because, I mean, this is uh, the next week will be critical for businesses, won't it? This week and uh, into next week will be critical to ensure that uh, businesses understand the technology, what they need to check, when they need to check it, and to ensure that uh, people know it's not all businesses. Uh, it's just those businesses that are um, you have indoor-outdoor events, uh, restaurants, indoor-outdoor patio, uh, casinos, bars, etc., and uh, we're there, um, all industry associations. Many of us are, there's nine of us on the Premier's Economic Recovery Task Force. And we're there for business to answer the questions. All of us are tired of the pandemic, Simi. And uh, we just want to get through this together. All right. Well, Anita, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Good morning. This is Mornings with Simi. We've got international travelers now being allowed into Canada as of yesterday. Now we've also got BC vaccine cards to deal with too, right? Different provinces have different ways of dealing with this. So how are those international travelers going to deal with it here in this province? Well, joining us now for more on that and how the tourism industry is faring is Ingrid Jarrett, President and CEO of the BC Hotel Association. Good morning, Ingrid. Good morning, Simi. Have the international travelers, are they, do you think, making a difference for the hotel industry? 
Well, we've seen a bit of a trickle, but but truthfully, uh, very few uh, U.S. travelers and very few international. Uh, obviously, with um, I think COVID cases being what they are, uh, a real focus on vaccinations and and uh, understanding the last few weeks, there's been this anticipation of the specifics around the vaccine passport. And what international travelers and also travelers from across Canada will be expected to provide. So do you feel it's still too much for just regular tourists? Like people are probably coming here to visit family. Predominantly, the U.S. travelers are, in fact, uh, visiting friends and family. Uh, that was expected, but we were hoping that we would see more of the tour market and the corporate market regenerate. Certainly there's been uh, meetings being booked in the fall, uh, but those are not uh, in from the international destinations. And I think with the uncertainty around the vaccine passport and the, and the step four of the restart plan being delayed, there's, there is a feeling of caution in the market. And we're seeing, in, uh, especially the urban enters uh, or urban centers, Quite a bit of cancellations. I think they'll now rebook now that they understand that people need to be vaccinated to attend uh, any group. And then the food and beverage components of the vaccine passport and the details uh, being announced yesterday, I think, will uh, will garner some uh, sort of some surety on the process involved and what's expected. Right. Is it difficult, though, if for the tourism industry, you're dealing with travelers, perhaps not from B.C., they won't necessarily have that QR code. So how how is the tourism industry going to deal with that? Yeah, so the the business itself will have the QR code and people within British Columbia will have their proof of vaccinations either in a paper form, card, or, uh, or on an app on their phone. Now, other provinces across Canada have already rolled out their vaccine passports, and so uh, it will be their proof from other provinces that, that will be expected to be checked. And I guess if it's an international traveller, they wouldn't have gotten into the country without being double vaccinated already. Well, that's exactly right. The process of being able to do the rapid testing and show proof of vaccination to get into Canada will be what uh, what they'll have uh, in order to get into the country. Right. Ingrid, we often hear that one of the reasons why we're doing this, this whole vaccine card system, is so that there is no lockdown, so that businesses can stay open. But for the tourism industry, is this going to help, do you think, or is nothing going to help until this is all said and done? Well, we're, we're all looking forward to the day when it, when we can just put the pandemic behind us. But right now, the challenge is we we really do not want an increase in the fourth wave. We want to be able to have a successful fall and, uh, and winter. We're anticipating really it's going to be until the spring of 2022 for many businesses uh, to be able to regenerate the kind of business they need to be able to to uh, rehire all of their employees and get back to some sense of normalcy. So uh, the vaccine passport and the making sure that people feel safe, A, to come back to work. We're hearing from many employees that they, in fact, uh, want to know that not only their fellow employees, but also guests coming into restaurants and and, uh, different businesses are vaccinated. And then we're also, from a business perspective, 
many business owners really want to make sure that their businesses are safe as well. And then over the winter season, when we're thinking about skiing and, and living in staff housing and that kind of thing, my goodness, we have the workforce shortage, and then we also sort of have this perception of danger. So I think the vaccine passport overall is strongly supported by the industry. You make a good point, though. I didn't even think ahead to ski season. That's kind of when we saw an uptick of cases last year, lots of people indoors socializing. So are you hoping that these measures in place now will help with that this year? Oh, I think most certainly. And I think the... um, you know, the list of businesses that are included in checking for mandatory vaccines um, is going to support the ski industry, uh, making sure that we don't have all of those outbreaks that we had last year. And in addition to that, there also is specifics around um, the different agencies that have the responsibility to be checking vaccine passports. And we've been successful in ensuring that our frontline employees are not the ones that actually have to do that enforcement, although we do have to check for the uh, the passport itself. All right. Well, Ingrid, thank you for your time this morning. Thank you, Simi. Take care. This is Mornings with Simi. So this morning, we're going to talk about voting, not who you're voting for. I'm not going to ask Raji who she's voting for, but we are going to talk about how you can undergo the process of voting. Raji, I feel like this is so important because I get emails on this all the time. Yeah. And after talking to Elections Canada, I learned some things that I didn't know before. I had some assumptions too. I feel to me like more than ever, you know, with what's happened in Afghanistan, you know, we are so lucky that they make it so easy here to vote. You know, people say it's a civic duty or a responsibility. I don't even think of it that way. I feel like it's just a right. And we have immense privilege flashing our Canadian passport in this world. And we know others don't have it so easy. Or, you know, living in a country with a healthcare system that is as accessible as it is. There's so much I'm proud to be able to flash a Canadian passport for. But before anybody emails me a complaint about how bad we have it, I want to point out that this is why we have a democracy, right? Because we get to elect the people in charge. And when your guy or your gal doesn't get in, uh, There exist numerous channels for you to contest it and to make change. So I feel really lucky that we even have such a body in Canada as Elections Canada. And you're right. And it's so easy to access the information too. Like I just went there myself. You type in your postal code. It'll tell you where you can vote in advance voting. It'll tell you where you can vote on election day. So it's it's right there at your fingertips. And I can't even imagine the amount of work that goes into keeping all this up to date. Totally. Um, It's possibly the most clear instructions on a website I think that I've ever read. So I'm going to go into some more detail on that later on in the show, the various options that are available to you. With Elections Canada being now over a hundred years old, it's actually the longest standing independent one in the world. Because elections used to be run by government officials before that, um, which, you know, you can't always... That's uh, not always a good idea. No. (laughs) No, They're not going to operate fairly necessarily, probably not transparently. Um, So if only I had some better candidates to choose from and be more excited about the the other part of the process, choosing someone. Um, But I am pumped on uh, sharing some of that Elections Canada info with you later on in the program. Okay. And a lot of people seem to be concerned about like locations and stuff where they're voting. And so I did I did what uh, people had been asking me to do. And that is I put my postal code in online 
And there's a woman in particular who was concerned that she said, I only see one polling station on voting day. And that's true. That's what happened with me too. And I wonder if it's so specific now that if you put in your postal code, you're only going to get the polling station for your postal code, not necessarily for all of the ones in that riding. Yeah. Uh, you will see that. You'll just see the one probably, but there are other options. So if you were checking that out because you're thinking of where am I going to vote on September 20th itself, then that's the kind of result you're going to get. But uh, there are other options. Uh, we're running out of time for them because September 14th is the cutoff for uh, some of the other options available to you. If you want to vote beforehand and, you know, given the pandemic, I would think most people would be doing that. It turns out actually that Elections Canada says most people are still expected to vote on September 20th. And I think that must just have to do with the awesome feeling you get of voting and seeing other people vote. Doing it in, in person is so special. I don't think I've ever voted on the day of. No, maybe I have. Maybe a long, long time ago. But, but I know that like most election days I'm working. Right, whether uh, it's municipal, provincial, federal, I'll be working this one as well, uh, and so I always do advance voting. Advance voting days this time around are the t they start this Friday, as a matter of fact. Yeah. So tenth, eleventh, twelfth, and thirteenth. So if you want to advance vote, and you can do that, and I guess mail-in voting, I would assume, is pretty popular this time around too. It certainly was in the BC election last year. Yeah, one of the reasons is uh, for that, it's also going to be the people who are affected by wildfires. So we're looking at people who have uh, moved, right, temporarily, um, if not permanently as a result of that. And so they're looking to mail-in vote. People who live abroad are doing that for sure. And then because of the pandemic, again, lots of people are, are going to do mail-in voting. I've actually never done advanced before. Ever? Um, no. And I hmm. just feel like it would be so unceremonious. Although oh, things no, it's not different true. for me this year. That's not true. It's very, it's just like voting on election day. It's a different place. Uh, but, and we'll talk more about this with Raji a little bit later on the show. We're going to break it down about advanced voting and how that works. But I've, it's, to me, it's exactly the same because I find that on the day of, I'm so busy thinking about, you know, things that have to be done for work. And we usually have an election show, which Global is having again this year, and I'll be participating in that. So there's a lot to do on the day of. I think for people, we need more options to vote are better, don't you think? Yeah, the more options, the better. But given what we've been hearing from all the pollsters of late, I'm wondering, gosh, what about the people who change their mind after they send in their advanced ballot? Um, because people have been waffling. That's the downside. Vote for. You're so right about that. Because sometimes there has been an election where I voted so far in advance, things change afterwards. Too late to me. Yeah. Ballot back. There's nothing. And I know that I'm sure people have had that moment too, where they voted and then some something happened, or maybe they had a different change of feeling. There's nothing you can do at that point. You're just, you're married yep. to the vote. That's the way it goes. Yeah, it's what you got to take to your grave. You know, one year I tried to put up two different signs in my window to show, to express my allegiance was split and that I was uncertain where I was going to put my vote. How did that didn't work go out? Down, didn't go down well with my neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Do you talk politics with your husband? I talk politics with anyone who will listen to me. Wow, interesting. <laughs> he listens. You know, he's not Canadian yet. Um, he's American. And he continues to follow American politics really closely. Uh, but since I got 
in journalism, he started to follow stuff that happens here more closely. I mean, he just thinks that Canada is the is the greatest country because he's always comparing it to what they go through in the states. I mean, what just happened uh, in the states with uh, abortion in Texas and whatnot. Um, we just we wouldn't see that happen yeah. here. Um, so but- he just can't believe people here don't vote as soon as they get the opportunity. Election day is September 20th. That's coming up pretty fast. So do you know which way you're going to vote? Well, that's okay. We've got you covered on all the ways that you can vote too. Our Raji Silhal is back with us to remind us of some of the options that are available if you want to vote before election day. Good morning, Raji. Good morning, Simi. Yeah, before election day being the key. I've always voted on election day. I told you that uh, I just find the whole thing really ceremonious. I love the buzz. I love the energy. I used to love standing shoulder to shoulder with people, but that is no longer the case. So this year, I'm going to vote early. And Andrea Morantz from Elections Canada let me know that there are three ways to do just that. You can vote by mail. You can vote at advanced polls. You can vote in person at any Elections Canada office up until 6 p.m. on September 14th. So let's go through these, uh, starting with the mail-in ballots. Um, So these were always a popular option before, but because of the pandemic, they're expecting them to be even more popular. So no waiting around, obviously. Personally, I have never experienced a long wait at a polling station myself. Ever? uh, But no. Never. Do you know, it's always taken me longer to walk to my polling station than it has to actually vote. I think Hmm. the longest I've ever waited was like 10 minutes total inside, like once once I'm inside. That's not bad at all. I I always thought that there were lineups on voting day, which is why I always also do advance voting. I felt like it was just faster. Yeah, you know, in the news, you always see uh, these videos of people lined up. And I've wondered, like, is it just those ridings? Is it the way that they're organized? Uh, Is it the time of day? Um, But yeah, I've never had to wait very long at all. Um, But, you know, mailing in, obviously, no wait whatsoever. And so that's going to be for people who live abroad. Um, People who were displaced by the wildfires will probably be doing uh, mail-ins as well. And then also just uh, anyone who's wanting to avoid the lineups. And like you said, you're so wrapped up with the election itself and covering it for our listeners and whatnot that um, you choose this option normally, right? Yeah, I do. It's it always has just been so much easier than worrying about the day of. And I know for a lot of people, it's also if you know who already you're going to vote for, that's great. Other people might want to wait because they're not sure. Exactly. Here's Andrea Morantz from Elections Canada again. The thing you need to remember about a mail-in ballot is that you have to apply for it. Now, it's not a big deal to apply for it, but you have to get an application form and apply for a mail-in ballot. Then that has to be returned to Elections Canada, and your mail-in ballot kit will be sent to you. You need to vote and mail it back, and that all has to, it has to get back to Elections Canada by um, September 20th. So Simi, that's a quick turnaround, right? The deadline for applying for a mail-in application is 6 p.m. on September 14th. That's coming up. And that's because as soon as you apply, what happens is Elections Canada will strike your name off the electoral list. That means that there's no danger of people voting twice, right? Okay, so that's really important for people to know uh, that if you want a mail-in ballot, you can't just like order it and then be like, oh, I didn't have time to use it. I'm just going to vote on election day. doesn't work like that. 
Exactly. Your name will be struck. You don't have a second chance there. So really, you can use, use it. that aspect of it. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. Use it or lose it. Uh, what about advanced polls? These are always my favorite. And they start soon. They start Friday. Yeah, starts Friday, goes through Monday. This is where you visit your assigned polling station from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. And the key to remember here is that it has to be your assigned polling station. So what is your polling station? You can check your voter card. And if you don't have that or you just want to check out their website, you go ahead and uh, just enter your postal code in the voter information service website and you'll find out what your polling station is. Now, they told me, Elections Canada, let me know that a lot of people um, messed this one up. So they will uh, hope to vote early and just show up at any polling station doesn't work that way. But another way that you can vote, and somehow this was news to me, you can actually vote right now in person at an Elections Canada office. Here's Andrea Morantz on that. You can vote at any Elections Canada office all across the country. I could walk into an Elections Canada office in Ottawa. I could walk into an Elections Canada office in Calgary and vote. Um, up until September 14th at six o'clock. Right. And I know the difference with that, though, if you do go to an Elections Canada office, Raji, is that you need to know who you're voting for because they can't give you a ballot from your riding. You have to actually write the name down. Yeah, that's right. And so uh, I know that as wild as it sounds, I know that some people really don't uh, know um, until they are they have the card right in front of them. So you actually have to know before you, you show up, who are you voting for? And it's wise to bring your voter card as well uh, to do that. And so I'm going to use this option personally, because, you know, I'm not going to anticipate any lineup. I can do it anytime on my own schedule and not have to miss any work or anything like that. So so that's the one that I'm looking at. Oh, interesting. Okay. So again, lots of different options. I find it fascinating that not as many people are going for the mail-in ballot this time around as I thought they would be. Like in, for the BC election a year ago, that was a very popular choice. But from everything from what I've read, not as much when it comes to this particular election. Yeah, Elections Canada say that they anticipate the most popular way despite the pandemic is going to be in person. And I wonder if part of that is just that people are waiting for the debates to happen, for the conversations with their family members and friends to happen afterwards, uh, digest all the information and make a, a decision kind of more last minute. Myself, I do want to check out the debates. Um, I'm not particularly impressed by any of the leaders right now. Um, so maybe my mind will be changed by the debates. Right. And then, yeah, I'm heading in to vote in uh, person, but early. Okay. And another very important note that we need to mention here is that if you want your voting process to go smoothly, Elections Canada needs some help. Yes, they do. They need uh, poll workers and kind of desperately. It pays fantastically, almost $18 an hour. Um, and they are paying overtime, which uh, hasn't always happened in the past. Uh, so they are really encouraging people uh, who want to pick up a nice little paycheck um, and do do some civic duty as well, be a part of the democratic process to check out their website and apply to become a poll worker. Oh, must be pretty straightforward. I know in the past they've had a lot of retired people, right, come forward and do this. Retired people, um, like right now, a lot of students uh, still haven't, like the ones that are studying in other provinces still haven't headed to the other province yet. Um, so retired people, uh, people who are working shift work and whatnot, um, lots of options there for people who want to help out.
Okay, so if you want to work for, see what it's like working a federal election, this is your opportunity to do that. Totally. All right. Thank you for that, Raji. Thanks, Simi. Great information. That's our Raji Sohal there with everything that you needed to know about the process of voting in this election. Check out the Elections Canada website for more info. And yes, as Raji said, they definitely need more poll workers, almost $18 an hour. You can apply on their website.